1: Hey this is Levi Lusco, author of I Declare War. And if you want to build better relationships in life, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel.
2: If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Levi Lusco. Levi is the founder and lead pastor of Fresh Life Church located up in Montana, Wyoming, Oregon, and Utah. He's the best-selling author of multiple books like Through the Eyes of a Lion, Swipe Right, and Now I Declare War. Uh, Levi also travels around the world speaking about Jesus. Guys, it's going to be such a fun conversation. Uh, even if you are not a church goer or a church attender. Uh, so many of these pastors and uh, dynamic leaders that we bring on the show have so many insights that are, are super helpful in our businesses as well. So um, I'm super excited to jump into this conversation with Levi. But first, really quickly, if you're a podcaster out there and you wonder how I'm able to book some of the amazing guests that I've brought onto my show, um, we actually recently built a software platform for that exact purpose, to help you podcasters get access to high-quality guests for your shows and to help high-quality experts and guests get booked on, on more shows. So head over to guestio.com to check it out. guestio.com. That's guestio.com. And uh, browse through our big list of, uh, of guests that we have over available. Like if you guys really enjoy this conversation with Levi, we have people like Chad Veach over um, on guestio that are ready for you to book them for your show. So make sure you go check those out. Guestio dot com, create a free account and start booking amazing guests today. Levi, what's up, man? Thank you so much for joining me on the show.
1: Travis, thanks for having me, bro.
0: Yes, sir. I'm, I'm excited to jump into a conversation with you. Um, and I feel like my audience is maybe sick of hearing me say this because I've said it a few times on the show. But um, just for some context, I uh, can really appreciate where your perspective is on a lot of these things uh, that we're going to talk about. And like I said at the very beginning, I have a lot of respect for the pastoral world in terms of just uh, the, the leadership ability and administration work and effort and the communication skills that have to be acquired in order to maintain, you know, whatever level of quote unquote success that you want to call it um, for that world. And I grew up. Um, in a very similar type of a religious uh, community of sorts, and actually have my degree from a Bible college, so I have a lot of lot of respect for 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 what you've been able to do um, in that world. And so I'm excited to jump into uh, into into this conversation with you. Let's go ahead and rewind the clock before we talk about you know some of the new things that you're up to, and figure out how you got to where you are now. So talk to me about you know let's say twelve year old Levi. What were you know where'd you grow up, and uh, what were your parents doing, things like that.
1: Yeah. I grew up in Colorado and then New Mexico to so 12 years old. I, I just moved to New Mexico and it was tough, honestly, moving schools, moving state lines, all that. But I would say even as a little kid, I kind of sensed, uh, like you can call it a call if you want, I think, you know, fire on the inside. I heard Phil Knight, the CEO of Nike, he said, you know, you got to find out not just what your career is supposed to be, but what your calling is meant to be. And I think that kind of language is so important, you know, that if you, if you find a calling and I don't think just calling to minister, I think you should be called like Phil Knight to make shoes. If you, if you're called to start a coffee shop, if you're called to you know, sell homes or whatever it is to sense a, a calling towards that. Because every endeavor you could undertake, uh, be it astronaut or be it you know the restaurant business, there's going to be hard days, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be times when you're you fall flat on your butt. And when you have that sense of calling to rely on, then you know you're not doing it just because you felt like it or saw a, you know a way to make money. But you really feel like there's something meaningful you have to contribute to the world. So I would say for me, and specifically being a speaker and an author and a pastor, there's plenty of those dark days. And I always fondly think back to me as a little kid, really sensing a stirring or a fire in my bones to to preach and to speak and to communicate and to help people. And so that to me has always given me a little bit of a compass that's guided me throughout the various turns and twists that I've, I've undertaken in life.
0: Yeah. What would be your suggestion to somebody who might be listening and saying like, yeah, I totally agree. I just never really felt called to do anything. Like, is there a formula or something that they can do to get more in touch with what that might be?
1: Absolutely. I mean, obviously your listeners probably know the the million myriad, you know, personality tests and all that sort of stuff that's out there that I think can can be good, can help you understand in in an in, in indication of maybe where your your skills lie, your personality would kind of put you in that direction. But I also think, you know, some other simple questions like what makes you angry? Because Mm. oftentimes we're angry by like, for example, I have a friend who runs a a massive worldwide human trafficking organization. And she started it, her and her husband started it out of their anger. They realized one day how angry it made them to know there were so many people being sold as slaves. And so it was almost like light bulb. What I'm angry about could be an indication of my my compass. Mm. Um, I think for other people, you know, it could be helpful to ask yourself the question, what do I do that doesn't feel like work to me? If my friends, if 10 of my friends were going to call me for help, what would they call me for? Now, you said administration a minute ago, but nobody would call me for administrative help. That is not my sweet spot. Ideation, vision, that kind of thing. Sure. But no one's calling me for like, hey, how do we organize the Excel spreadsheet and blah, blah, blah. Because that is, that is not like giving to me. So if you ask the question like, if friends were going to call you to help in their pitch in and their company, what what would they want you to do or what would they want you to stay away from? I think questions like that can be helpful because they can kind of sort of steer you towards maybe something you're called to. I also think it's really important to broaden your thinking when it comes to your definition of creativity. Cause I heard, and this is um, I think Seth Godin, you know, we have a very limited, like if you say, is someone a genius, someone creative, you go, well, do they paint, do they, you know, are they a photographer or a musician? Cause that's sort of where we think creativity lives. Mm-hmm. But he said like, no, there's geniuses at the stock market. There's cre- people who are creative when it comes to, you know, Henry Ford was a, was a genius, a creative genius, not because he was good at everything, but because he was really good at something. And so when you start to think about like creativity and genius in terms of a far broader, uh, like my, my belief is that God's a creator and that he created us in his image and in the image of God, we've been created with the ability to create. So all of us have the ability to create something meaningfully. And so, you know, that would be to me some some sense of, you know, you figuring out your your why that God put you on the earth for.
0: Yeah. And to add to that a little bit too, I think one thing that's helpful in addition to the things that you were just mentioning for me has always been purposefully changing my environment that I've been in. And a lot, a lot of times it's difficult to see what the next step is or what the clear path is when you are working or operating from inside of the bubble. And I think that it's helpful sometimes to take a step outside of that, change your environment, get out, go somewhere, try to make it by yourself or with somebody that's you know intimately close to you know the decisions that you make. Someone like a spouse or significant other or a business partner or something like that. But I think that that's that's been something that's been super helpful for me as well. So I'm curious, Levi, to know what your path was from the time that you felt like you were you know called, you had a calling to go down this certain you know creative path. What was the next step for you? Like post high school, was it immediately let's go, you know, directly into into working or let's go to seminary? I need to learn this or that. What was the next step for you?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Well, I think my initial response out of high school was to go to Bible college. And I started out doing that and I applied myself there, gave it my all for three semesters. And then a, a pastor who at that point was at my home church, he talked me into dropping out of Bible college, which is so unusual. You know, you think about like, oh man, he would want me to finish this, but he goes, you know, what you're learning is great. What you're what you're going to learn in books is phenomenal and, and all that. But he goes, best as I can tell, ministry is caught more than it's taught. You mm. know, if you sit around li- studying theories about it, you're still going to the reality is, you gotta at some point get into the deep end of the pool. So he goes, let me ask you this: like you can keep studying through distance learning all you want, you can keep reading, you can you can on your own get a degree if you want, if that's something you feel is important to you. He goes, but but I sense that God God has a call in your life, and he goes, oh, why don't I offer you a, a mentorship? And what, what he meant by that is I would intern at the church. It was a large church being, you know, doing really whatever. And he goes, and I'll spend time with you as well. You can ask me any question you want. i I'll, I'll. And, and it wasn't like the onus was on him. Like he had to put a discipleship program together for me. He sort of was like, I'll give you time every week. And you ask questions because there's this book of Proverbs in the Bible that says, counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water and Mm -hmm. a man of understanding will know how to draw it out. And I thought it was so wisdom. And I've thought about that a lot because I I've actually had a lot of people like go to me, like, Hey, will you disciple me? Will you, you know, mentor me? And, and, and first of all, I think that question should come from someone who is offering to do it, not you asking for someone to mentor you because it, it puts that pressure on the person who you're looking to you know, uh, learn from where the last thing you want to do if there's someone you respect is make their life more complex and more hard. So he said, look, I'll give you time. You get to choose how you use it. So when he set time aside for me, I always came in prepared, came in with questions and it was a beautiful thing. Like, okay, Hey, you said this in this sermon, you said this here, why did you do this? You let me sit in on that counseling meeting, what were you thinking? Why did you say that? And it was actually brilliant. And I was able to eventually say, Hey, I don't need much more time for me. I feel like I've I've learned and, and gleaned what I what I can. I'm ready to put some of these things into action. So so I started going to hospitals and doing hospital visits, praying for people and doing funerals, doing weddings, doing because I had followed him on a ton of them. And then I started doing them myself too. And then pretty soon I was getting opportunity. And I, my my thing was like, I wasn't waiting for big opportunity. I wasn't waiting for glamorous you know, assignments. If yeah. they said, Hey, we, we need you to go to this retirement home and give a Bible study to 17, you know, people who are not even coherent to pay attention. I was like, cool, I'm going to work my butt off and study and put the best message I can together. And if I was preaching to 120 junior hires, man, I, I studied just like I do today to preach to, you know, 30,000 people. It's, it's like, It's not like I was waiting for some big spotlight to start getting after it. I think that's really something in every business people miss. Is like, if you're waiting until like you're at the Super Bowl mm. to, you know, to actually throw a real good pass, you yep. know, that's never going to happen. Cause it's got to start in the small, got to start in the secret. It's got hustle and grind and spirit. It has to get developed in those, in those small places.
0: Yeah. Right. I, man, could not agree with that more, especially from, especially from the standpoint of anybody that's trying to create content, which I know a lot of listeners of, of the show are in that boat. Anybody that's trying to spread a message to large amount of people. You got to be willing to put in the work when nobody's listening, when nobody's paying attention to do what Levi just talked about and, and to you know, speak to the group of seven people as if it's a group of 30,000 people and put that much work, put that much time and energy and effort into making that message that good as well. Because if you don't take those opportunities seriously, then you'll never earn the ability to have the other opportunities presented to you. Which is exactly the reason to give it your best from the very beginning, um, and, and to put in the reps. and And honestly, I think it's a, a time of life that you should be thankful for if you can figure out how to reframe your mind to be more like, you know, like that's going to be awesome one day when it is thirty thousand people. But I'm super thankful for these opportunities right now, and I'm sure that's how you looked at it too, Levi. But I think that it's it's a time to be thankful for and grateful for because you're lucky that you don't have 30,000 people listening to you because you're probably not that good when you start. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah, you got to, no, you got no, to get no some chops. About that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. You like, need, you need those reps. And you know, right. you, I, I read about how Kobe practiced and it's like, there was no one working harder than him. There was no one grinding more than him. There was no one who was in the gym earlier, out later, you know, and it's that work ethic and that's the success. It's what you, it's it's that classic Michael Jordan quote. It's, it's what's done in empty gyms that fills up, you know, stadiums one day. Mm, And I think that the Bible puts it this way. Don't despise the days of small things. And not only are you missing the chance to develop your you know, your gift, but you're also missing the chance to develop your character. And I think that's really important because there's pressure that comes with success. You know, show me, show me someone who's been handed massive amounts of money, influence, fame, you know, it's easy to become the anecdotal tale of the guy with wax wings who flew too close to the sun. Mm. And I think for me, like, I think fondly back to that, those days as a youth pastor, as an intern pastor, you know, I barely, barely made enough money to make ends meet, lived in a studio apartment, slept on a twin mattress in the ground, barely turned the heat on in the winter because I didn't want the heating bill to get big. But it's some of the best memories, you know, preaching my guts out literally used to throw it before I spoke every single time, mm. every night before I would be nervous, sweating, but it's, it was just, it was a sense of call. It was doing what God put me on this earth to do. And, you know, if you just are handed everything one day, it'll destroy you if you don't have the weight of character and integrity you've built up over time to support that kind of intensity.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally agree with you. So let's let's move into... That next stage then for you. So you were, you were doing this internship, which I, by the way, this is total aside and probably doesn't apply to a lot of people listening, but I totally agree with the path that you ended up going down and that you know the, the pastor of that church that brought you in, I think he was very wise for advising you in that way. I went to four years of Bible college and by the time I was done with it, I was like, I feel like this would have been way better if I just would have like, worked for a guy and learned from him you know what i mean like it's uh, why why don't i have to go to like structured classes to learn how to minister you know what i mean like that should just be part of part of what you do but i I just want to throw that out there
1: jesus kind of taught the disciples and it was kind of a mentorship you know right more like like, an apprentice yeah follow me and i think there's a lot of trades that kind of learn that way you learn but you don't learn to weld in a class you know you learn to weld by being with a welder and and you know i'm not i'm not the guy who's anti-education and like some people maybe it's the best way to learn my particular style is I'm very much a self learner. So like, I'm going to give me the book. I'll read it. Give me the class. I'll watch it. Like I've, right. I've probably put in more hours reading, you know, and studying theology and Greek, et cetera, and taking even the initiative to purchase some online classes and master classes and that sort of thing now. But, you know, I don't need a degree on the wall to tell me that that God's called me. Jesus didn't have one. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, and the difference is when you're doing studying that way You're studying stuff that fires you up, which increases your likelihood that you'll actually implement the stuff that you're learning and um, helps you to like be really good at the thing that you're super interested in learning about, you know, instead of like being forced to take all these classes just to be able to get a certificate that allows you to go minister to people (laughs) or whatever, you know, fill in the blank of whatever it is that you decided to do with your life, you know, minus the essential school things like, you know, medical and and law degrees and things like that.
1: But. Yeah, you don't want a, you don't want a surgeon who uh, just decided to like, go out <laughs> yeah. on a wing and a yeah. prayer. Yeah,
0: yeah, some self-study courses. Yeah. And just yeah, sure, go ahead and open up my chest. But, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I'm sure even on that stuff too, you know, what just what you get strictly in class, there's a reason they have to do residencies and they actually right. actually, you know what I mean, that it gets totally. married to, you know, boots in the ground stuff.
0: This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need a hire, you need Indeed. Yeah, I, I agree. I, that was just a quick aside that I wanted to throw out there. Okay, so getting back into your story specifically, taking up a lot of these uh, opportunities um, you know, in your young ministry days, at what point do you feel like, is it a calling? Do you feel that, like, w- at what point do you feel that you need to become a head pastor at a church? Like, talk me through that process.
1: Yeah, that's a weird one that, that, because I never, like, I really resented anybody who I worked alongside who I sensed was viewing what their current assignment was as a stepping stone to something better. I had friends who were like, yeah, if I play the game right, you know, I could. I go to like these youth pastor conferences and you hear that kind of like, yeah, if I can get two years under my belt with this youth ministry, then I could get to an assistant pastor and then one day I'll have my own gig. You know, it's like, it just felt icky to me, you know, because I understand the, the desire to have promotion. That's good. That's God given. There's a good sense of hunger and there's a good sense of like, even the Bible says, earnestly desire the better gifts. And if you have two talents, you should want to multiply into four. And, you know, there's a parable about that. Right. So we always have to like temper in my world, good ambition with selfish ambition. And, you know, and I think that when you have a, a corrupted, selfish ambition, it robs you of the purity of what's in front of you. So like, I was so glad to be a youth pastor and I was quite frankly happy to do it as long as God let me, because I mean, what more important thing could you do than, than make a difference in someone's life when they're, you know, in 10th grade or seventh grade, so many people are going through such hard things in that time of life. And I, I know that I I noticed that so many of my students in my youth group, their parents were divorced and, you know, we deal with stuff like sexual abuse and, you know, bullying and suicidal thoughts. and and I just didn't want to add to the instability by being like, sorry, guys, got a better cush gig, peace out, you know? And so that was my mentality. Like, I'm just going to do it as long as God lets me. But then the, the funny thing was my senior pastor, the one who mentored me, developed me and gave me those opportunities. He began to see different things in me. And he began to see, hey, I, I need your gifts in the, in the sanctuary, too. I need to utilize your teaching gifts that's developed. And I think you should God's called you to teach adults, not just kids. And I was I was like, woo, I don't know if my messages will work. I've only taught high schoolers. I'm so young. And he was like, Well, yeah, you're up next, you know, next Wednesday or you're up next Sunday. He he began to put me in his pulpit when he would be out of town or, you know, needing a break or whatever. And it was surprising because as scared as I was, and again, here I am, I'm throwing up before my sermon worked. It was like, I'd give the same kind of message I would give to a young person and the adults liked it and got, people got saved and people said, Hey, we want to hear that again. And so it was almost like, I never sought it for myself. I never asked for it. I know this to this day, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I have not one time ever asked to speak anywhere. And I'm a firm believer that if God opens a door for you, no one can shut it. But if you try and open a door for yourself, you know, you're going to end up, you know, making mistakes and looking foolish. And So that's just kind of been my thing. Like, I mean, I'm not saying I don't make friends and, you know, I don't have dreams. Like there's, there was literally places like I had it written in my diary. Like I would love to preach to that church one day, but I would never say that to anybody. And like I said, I, it just happened on its own. And God just really made it clear that that was a season that opened and season that closed. And then ironically, that pastor ended up leaving the church and at that point, I felt like I didn't have, you know, he had been my guy. I had been like Timothy to Paul or Luke Skywalker to Han Solo. And without that sense of, um, um a master apprentice anymore in my life, I felt sort of, you know, vulnerable to what was going to be happening next. And At that point, the board of directors of the church I was at, they asked me, Hey, would you stay on and, you know, just stay here and take this, this, um, this pulpit and be the teaching pastor. And that is when Jenny and I both felt like, hold on a second, we're not ready for this. Mm. This is a big church. We've, we've done youth ministry. We've done this somewhat. But the thing we didn't get was to be entrepreneurs. We didn't get to be, you know, church planners. And I kind of felt like God was speaking to me that if I took this job, job as great as it was, it was a great opportunity, that I would blink and 20, 30, 40 years would go by. And I would be looking back on my life and I never would have got my opus out, you know, my thing I was supposed to build, my thing I was supposed to craft. And churches are very personal. You know, there's a lot of churches and like Italian restaurants, there's a lot of different ways to approach it. Even within, you know, what I would call Orthodox Christianity, preaching the same message about Jesus and the gospel and et cetera, there's still like, you know, how how does the service feel? What's the look and feel of the building? How does the atmosphere, what's the atmosphere like? So it would be like, does, is there Italian lessons in the bathroom? Just a waiter to write their name upside down on the paper, you know, whatever. I kind of wanted to build my own thing. And I felt that. And I felt like if I took this great job and made it official, that I would sort of be short-circuiting my development. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of the image God gave me was of someone cutting a butterfly out of a cocoon. And I've read that if a butterfly gets cut out of a cocoon and doesn't fight its way out on its own, it will never fly right. because it's, it takes the fight to get to the strength. And so for us moving to Montana and starting our own church and getting to build it from the ground up, starting with no people and how are we going to have everything look, feel, the governance, all the whole thing that we would have to seek God, seek wise counsel and do something with our own two hands that appealed to me on the sense of it was raw. It was the path less traveled, but I knew that I would get to develop alongside the church. So today where we sit, Fresh Life's turning 15 in January. And guess what? I have 15 years as a senior pastor and I was one year old when it's one year old and I'm 15 when it's 15. And so it's right. kind of cool. we developed together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love that. And I couldn't agree more. Um, it's that struggle that is what makes you the person that you are. And uh, so you have you jumping in and just having to figure it out. Has turned you into a much more capable leader, much more capable pastor. And I think that that has been totally reflected in the ministry that you've been able to create there. So um, now there's five, six different campuses for the church?
1: Well, that's a complicated question. Technically, there's 13, but only eight are open. One of them's not likely to open anytime soon because it's in Oregon. One, yeah, it's we're and we have a, a these days. My joke is we have a YouTube channel. That's what we
0: have. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, you and everybody else. So, so now it's now it's the YouTube channel. And and you said earlier that you're reaching about thirty thousand people or so on a weekly basis.
1: I, I I think the numbers maybe a little higher. I think we're sixty 000 to eighty thousand with the podcast and everything in. Okay, but I mean, who, who knows? The thing thing we're laughing about is sometimes pastors tell numbers like that, and you're like. Yeah, but how long were the people paying attention? So it's hard to get a big head about anything because in, especially with, uh, with with some of the data you get back from Facebook, it's like, was that a five minute view? Were they listening for 17 minutes? Is that yeah. the same as sitting for an hour? It's hard to understand right. what really, yeah. you know, you're getting out there.
0: Got it. So uh, Levi, I do want to ask you a little bit about your new book, I Declare War and just kind of where that idea came from and then the top two or three principles before we uh, before we end the conversation.
1: Oh man, yeah. So I Declare War basically is all about emotional intelligence, self-management, and how I went through a process of really hitting some walls as far as my leadership ability. And there were some things I was struggling through that I'm sure that a lot of your listeners can relate to, where I just felt like, man, I'm good at leading other people, but I kind of realized I'm bad at leading myself, struggling with moods, bad you know, uh, funks that I would get into. And so I Declare War was essentially my uh, notes that I'm offering up to the world on how to get out of your own way. And they say that your emotional intelligence is responsible for as much as 36% of your success in any endeavor. Hmm. And that for every point out of 100, you can raise your EQ, your emotional quotient level. Uh, You can expect to see a corresponding bump over time of $1,000 in your annual salary just simply by raising up your threshold and dealing with your own emotions and reading the emotions of other people.
0: Yeah, absolutely love that. Where is the best place for people to go pick this up? Is You, you would want them to go somewhere specifically or just Amazon or anywhere else they pick up books?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can grab it at levielesko.com. We have a Bible study. We have a course you can go through where you watch videos and answer questions. And it's it's all available there on our website.
0: Yeah. Um, and this is such a this is such a needed topic, especially nowadays when there's... There's so much mental health, you know, issues that are going spreading across the country, really, and seems to be an American problem, a first world problem that uh, that continues to spread. And so, jumping into a book like "I Declare War" and figuring out how to win the battle that's constantly happening inside of yourself, um, I think is extremely valuable. So um, you can go to ideclarewarbook.com. Or you can pick it up at any of the normal retailers that you would go to, like iBooks or Amazon or Barnes and Noble, Google Play, any of those types of books, uh, book places as well.
1: Audible is out there too, so grab the Audible oh, if you don't read books.
0: Yeah, perfect, perfect, and and that's that's exactly what I would recommend people to do as well because I'm a big Audible guy myself.
1: What speed do you normally listen to books at?
0: You know, it depends on the book. If it's more story-based that I can listen to and still gather all the information, I like to listen at a 2X. But um, I recently listened to Jordan Peterson's book, uh, 12 Rules for Life. And I had to slow that thing down a lot because he's just too smart for me to listen to at a two X.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah I, for I had sure. To... I'm, I'm I'm a two X or a 1.5, just a little thicker. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so some of those like some of those deep content books is just like wait, I found myself having to rewind it all the time, and I was like, I should probably just lower the speed on this. So. Um, I got to ask you this question, Levi, because it's the one I ask every single guest that's ever come on the show, and it's really the premise of this entire show, which is to talk about relationships and people and how that's played into the success that you've been able to have. And that's this has obviously been a big part of your story with having a, a clear mentor, you know, master-apprentice type situation happen in, in very early on in your career. And um, so I'm curious to hear your your answer to this question. Who you know or what you know, which of those two do you view as being more important and
1: why? Well, that's a great question. Well, I think without a doubt, it would be who you know. Man, that's a good question. The why factor probably just would, I would if I'm going to just, this is an, a, a, an easy out. I would just go because two is better than one. And you, know, mm-hmm. you have the ability of that compound uh, of, of experience and information and, and opportunity there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I t- totally agree with you. And uh, it's funny because I've asked that question now to hundreds of people and the, the the answers that I get are so all over the place. And maybe one day it'll be something that we, we end up writing a book about. But yeah, it's it's such an interesting topic to explore because you obviously got to be good at what you do. You got to be competent. You, you got to, you know like we were talking about before, put in the reps and and earn the ability to take advantage of opportunities that come your way. But I find that the opportunities come through the people and and the the opportunity is what's not in abundance and, and nowadays especially knowledge is in abundance. And we can find it all over online, and spend literally years binging free content on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or podcasts or whatever it is. And so, knowledge is no longer the thing that's like super rare. I find that it's more the opportunities which come through the people and the connections. And uh, but but once you get that opportunity, you got to be able to capitalize on it. So it's definitely a little bit of a dichotomy. But I think that I think that you're totally right in that that the who, if you lean towards the who, that you will never be disappointed in the results that you get. So. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I mean, this is such a, such a fun conversation. Um, I know we're moving on into the last segment here, which is called the random round. Really quick, random questions, quick, random answers. You ready? Yep, ready. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt?
1: I mean, it's, it's kind of a little bit unfair because I do it also, but I would probably say full-time author, just mm. doing nothing, but being in a cabin somewhere, writing maybe fiction, just living that life.
0: If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be and why? Churchill. Mm, Yeah, definitely my top three for sure. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts,
1: videos? All of the above. Everyone. I'm always in an Audible, always in a Kindle, always in a Facebook book, love podcasts, the whole deal.
0: Give us a glimpse of your morning routine.
1: French press, quiet time, journaling, workout, sauna, always hot sauna, sometimes cold bath as well, 35 to 40 degrees. Uh, then creation, whether it's writing a sermon, whatever, something that is, is is uninterrupted creation time, and then meetings in the afternoon.
0: What is your go-to pump-up song? Oh, gosh.
1: You know, what's funny is a friend of mine told me something the other day that really changed how I think about music in the gym. He said, if you have enough intensity inside, you don't need external stimulation. So I've been very, uh, uh, like I'll throw classical music, I'll throw anything on in the gym, uh, a documentary, and I've been relying more on the inside stuff. So I have not been putting anything on like Flowrider Rider or anything Jay-Z to get that going. What
0: is something that you are just not very good at? Oh
1: gosh, that's a long list. I would say driving. I'm not a good driver. My wife's like, please let me drive because you are a bad driver.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's perfect. As we get everything wrapped up here, man, what's one place online where our listeners can go to connect you the most?
1: I'm in an AOL chat room every Monday at 7 p.m. I'm joking. Uh, I was going to say, is that real? That That can't be real. Yeah. yeah. That can't, that can't be real. Blockbuster (laughs) video every Friday night. uh, (laughs) Hosting a lot. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the hot picks uh, aisle. No, yeah. So LeviLusko.com is all the information there.
0: Perfect, perfect. You head over to LeviLusko.com. That's L-U-S-K-O.com. And he's got several several best selling books over there, but I highly recommend checking out his most recent one. I declare war. I promise you will not be disappointed in that. Levi, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Uh, this was such a fun, uh, fun conversation. Love to do a part two sometime.
1: Travis, it was a great conversation. Anytime.
2: That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to TravisChapel.com group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.